charming world and all who inhabit it. Jump out of bed, mix up a breakfast for my favorite pet snail. Full steam ahead, the SSI am ready is about to set sail. This kind of day couldn't get much better, but it keeps on trying. I'm on my way, somewhere there's a Krabby Patty that needs frying. And who's the lucky sponge in the mirror who is living his dream? Who's always extra careful with his dental hygiene? Gary, it's me, happy just to be here in the world renowned. Bikini Bottom, how I love this town. Bikini Bottom, when the sun shines down on a beautiful Bikini Bottom day. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, September 18th, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, uh, we've got a couple things I want to get into before we get to the regular news. The first is that on Friday, Broadway HD announced that it would be capturing the American Theatre Wing's Centennial Gala tonight for on-demand viewing early next year. The Centennial Gala will celebrate the power of musical theater in American life for the past 100 years, and as we talked about last week, has just an unbelievable cast of performers, including Gavin Creel, Santino Fontana, Heather Headley, Norm Lewis, Rebecca Luker, Beth Malone, Howard McGillan, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Laura Osnes, and Taylor Trench. Uh, This should be a, a really incredible opportunity to see something that Unless you pony up big bucks, James, we normally don't get to see. This is, as far as I know, the first time that something like this, a gala or or a benefit like this, has been captured for future use. So I think this is a really smart thing for Broadway HD to do moving forward, since there are so many great things like this, and at City Center, and all the different theater companies, and Roundabout's doing Kiss Me Kate coming up. Um, If there's no intention for these things to be done anywhere else... This seems perfect, so I'm very, very excited to see this later, uh, I guess, early in 2018. You know, what's really great about this is that uh, is that if Broadway HD continues to do these, I won't have to uh, take cater-waiter <laughs> jobs to go, to go to these events. Nice. And, or you could just get a, a extra tux and go in and like, get a little apron and just pretend you're part of the waiter staff, and uh, no one's going to question you. Maybe if I put on a high-vis vest and just walk in. You know, those high-vis vests, you know, they get you and everything. Absolutely. Um, All right, so we also had a lot going on in the podcast world over the weekend. Uh, First, uh, Jen and I released our Wish, Want, and Will episode for the Emmys. By the time this episode of Today on Broadway comes out, the Emmys are over, but you can go back and look and see what we got right. Then on Saturday here in the Broadway radio feed, we had the season two premiere of On My Way to a BFA with Natalie Nowak, where she talked with current Finding Neverland tour star Christine Dwyer. It was a great interview, um, uh, so I really highly recommend that. And then yesterday, James, you had uh, Jan Simpson and Michael Portanti here for This Week on Broadway. We also had Manuel uh, Felciano on uh, to talk about an original cast recording of uh, Zippers and uh, talk about his career. We had a lot of fun with that. Uh, and then uh, Jan reviewed The, the Rape of the Saban Women by Grace B. Math- Mathias and The Red Letter Plays. And uh, for Peter Pan on her 70th birthday, Michael talked about the Cheetah Rivera Awards and the upcoming 60th anniversary of the West Side Story um, down at 54 Below. So it was a a good episode as well. Awesome. 
Now, James, I want to move into something that I know is personal to you that um, is not as exciting as some of these other things. But last week we learned that celebrated singer, pianist, and one of New York's leading voice teachers, Shirley Calloway, passed away uh, on Thursday. She is also the mother of Tony-nominated performers Anne Hampton Calloway and Liz Calloway. Uh, She died after a two-month battle with pancreatic cancer. And James, I know she was at one point your voice teacher, and I think you were one of her very first students as well, correct? Well, I would think that uh, <laughs> Anne and Liz were one of her first students. Fair, fair point, fair point. <laughs> and, and Non-relative. I, I, yeah, uh, I don't know if I was I was that early in the um, in the chain, but she was my voice teacher for many years. Uh, a great teacher and a great person. Terribly uh, sad to hear this news, and she'll be much missed. Uh, yeah, I just, you know, it, my thinking was I had no idea, uh, anything about Shirley before I had met her, but I was thinking if Anne and Liz, uh, can sing like they do, <laughs> then Shirley's got to have the goods. And it, it, it turned out to be true. Yeah. One of the most respected voice teachers in the business and, and not only does her, uh, student success speak for itself, but she's also beloved as one of the most um, liked people in the business as well. Just people just love her as a human being. So I, I know for you and for her daughters and for all of her students, past and present, um, that this is a loss that will be deeply, deeply felt. Okay, uh, let's move into the news for the day. First up, uh, two musicals said goodbye to Broadway yesterday. Yeah, James, uh, two beloved shows ended their Broadway runs on Sunday, the musicals Groundhog Day and Bandstand. Groundhog Day starred Olivier Winner and Tony nominee Andy Carl and was based on the iconic Bill Murray movie. It featured a book by original screenwriter Danny Rubin and a score by the incredibly multi-talented Tim Minchin. The show closed at the August Wilson Theater following 208 total performances in an 18-month national tour and a return production to London where it originally started at the Vic has been announced up next at the Wilson unless something sneaks in for the fall will be the Mean Girls musical beginning on March 12th then over at the Bernard B. Jacobs Theater Bandstand bid farewell to Broadway as the original musical closed up shop falling 190 total performances starring Laura Ostis and Corey Cott the show followed a band made up of World War II veterans trying to cope with returning home from war. The Jacobs will next welcome The Iceman Cometh on March 22nd, unless the Schubert's squeeze a limited run in for the holidays. James, these two shows probably don't have a whole lot in common, other than the fact that they were original in a lot of ways. Groundhog Day, obviously, as I said, was based on a movie, but seems to have taken quite a different approach to the story and really kind of broke the mold from what a Broadway musical normally is. And then Bandstand actually is a completely original show, not based on anything else, uh, any pre-existing property. So uh, anytime Broadway loses a show, especially two that uh, kind of break the mold and venture outside of what we normally see, uh, it's sad. And I uh, wish the best to all of the cast and crew of these shows on whatever their future endeavors hold. Next up, the reviews are in for Frozen's Denver tryout. Yeah, James, last week we talked about Frozen opening out of town, but because of the time difference, the reviews weren't out by the time that we recorded, but they are now, and they are, in my, in my estimation, 
positive to mixed, mixed to positive, however you want to say that. Mm -hmm. Most of the reviews were very favorable for the performances in his quasi-column review. It was really weird. Michael Riedel of the New York Post wrote, quote, talking about Patty, Murin plays Anna with all the wit and spunk of a young Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music. Casey Levy brings an elegance and remoteness to Elsa that recalls Meryl Streep's in The French Lieutenant's Woman. That might be super high praise for a Disney uh, animated film adaptation for the stage, but that's awesome. I love that. But many of the reviews pointed out a lack of theatrical magic, especially in the show's biggest moments, most notably Let It Go, and some weaknesses in the newly expanded book. Jesse Green for the New York Times said, quote, The story develops, and especially in Act 2, you become aware of major strains in the adaptation. They begin with the need to recreate on stage the magic carried out so effortlessly on film. Though the metamorphosizing dress is delightful, the other transformations, especially whenever Elsa gets into one of her ice manias, seem labored. Miss Levy squats and swings her arm around Martha Graham style, while some pretty but obvious projections do the rest. Other concerns involve the fact that with the addition of more song and story, Anna has become more of a traditional Disney princess rather than the rambunctious independent girl from the movie. Green continued, quote, We get a number called What Do You Know About Love to introduce the romance between Anna and Kristoff. Though deliciously played by Patty Murin, Anna thus becomes a more conventional Disney girl, all signs pointing toward marriage. Despite the reservation, uh, Green closes out his review with an optimistic note for Broadway, writing, quote, This is no disaster. Mr. Grandage has five months to revise and refine the show. Some of his work will be done for him by the St. James itself, which seats 1,600 instead of the Beals, the Denver's theater 2800 and will help focus the audience on the less generic more psychological tale he apparently wants to tell and already much is right the supporting cast is charming the singing spectacular the simpler effects including the crystal curtain for elsa's palace and the part puppet part human reindeer and snowman successful but like wicked before it frozen is going to have to figure out how to make the dark character less of a bore and the light character more compelling so, James, I think, you know, that seems like a good review for an out-of-town tryout, things to work on, uh, but a lot of positives as well. Deborah Wilker of The Hollywood Reporter wrote, quote, The girl power message still runs deep in Disney's Broadway-bound version of Frozen. Of course, the characters are now played by humans who must tread the line between caricature and reality. The diverse, well-trained cast does all this and more. While not everything works perfectly, the production that opened Wednesday is a generally faithful adaptation that appeared to delight the sold-out audience. Of the two uh, lead performances, Mark Shenton of The Stage wrote, Quote, there are occasional moments that feel padded, especially an overextended comedy song in a sauna that opens the second act. But the surging power ballads that are the score's signature are stunningly delivered by Casey Levy as Elsa and Patty Murin as her sister Anna. James, as I mentioned last week, Disney discouraged New York Press from reviewing the show, but we still got the times anyway, uh, because they apparently already have a long list of things that they want to tweak and or completely change before the show begins performances at the St. James in February. Um, But I have to be honest, these were more positive than I anticipated based off of the always sarcastic or (laughs) always trolling message boards post that uh, I'd mostly seen so far. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, all the producers out there don't want their out-of-town 
pre-Broadway uh, performances reviewed. Uh, unless, of course, there are glowing over-the-top reviews, then they will happily <laughs> use pull quotes. I wonder if Disney will use any pull quotes from Brantley's review or uh, <laughs> things like Green, that. Green, Jesse Green. Jesse Green, not Brantley. Oh, Jesse Green, not Brantley, excuse me. Uh, Jesse Green's review. Uh, or perhaps maybe Disney will just buy the New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've got plenty of money. They they grossed something like uh, like two billion i don't know whatever yeah, yeah they've got plenty of money huge money <laughs> that's what but that's why they've got plenty of money they can do some of the spectacular things one of the biggest concerns that a lot of people have had is that there was no spectacle that went along with let it go there's a nice little fairly basic um dress transformation for elsa but everything else was very in my opinion having <clears throat> just heard things not seen any bootlegs whatsoever um it's um, it seemed it seemed a little underwhelming, and that's a big moment. Like you want that to have some sort of magic to it, and it didn't. But Disney's got enough money to do that. So me knocking on wood. Hopefully they figure something out um, by the time it gets to the St. James in February. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's some really amazing technology up on stage these days on Broadway, uh, and comes to mind Anastasia. Um, just hmm. the the the. The projection video screen wall that Anastasia uses just just absolutely amazing, and I wonder if Frozen is using something similar to that, or if they should have, or if that will be in these tweaks changes that they are going to do. Uh, but certainly, you know, Disney is known for magic, whether it be at the theme parks or in their mm -hmm. uh, movies and other types of things, and then. And then you totally have, like, The Lion King, which reinvented the movie, f for at least for me. Uh, yeah. And I went, wow, just, just what they did on stage was just unbelievable in certain scenes in, in Lion King. So, you know, they do have the wherewithal to do it. Let's do it. So yep. we'll be uh, checking it out. I'm sure that... This is not the end of this story. We're going to be talking about that as 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 often as any other story that's going to come up in the next few months. What's happening in this week's theatrical schedule? Okay, James, we've got uh, a few things beginning pre uh, production or beginning performances, and then one thing ending its run. First on Monday tonight, the eighteenth, the Elevator Repair Services production of William Shakespeare's Measure for Measure begins performances off Broadway at the Public Theater. It is currently slated to run through October twenty ninth. If you're unfamiliar with the Elevator Repair Company or the Elevator Repair Service, they're the ones who did Gats, that entire reading of The Great Gatsby a few years ago um, that uh, was like set in a library and it was supposed to be really, really incredible. Um, so if you have a chance, check this out at the Public Theater. Uh, on Tuesday, interestingly enough, the following night, the York Theatre Company's world premiere musical Desperate Measures begins performances and it is a good old-fashioned country music take on Measure for Measure, and it stars our friend Lauren Molina. Uh, maybe go see those on consecutive nights and previews and uh, be able to compare them. Also on Tuesday, the Manhattan Theatre Club's original off-Broadway production of John Patrick Shanley's The Portuguese Kid begins performances starring Tony winner Jason Alexander and Tony nominees Sherry Renee Scott and Mary Testa, amongst others. 
then on Sunday, James, the one that uh, is a is a closing notice that we're on, uh, you know disappointed about. On Sunday, the original Broadway production of Lucas Hanat's A Doll's House Part Two will close at the John Golden Theater. Originally slated to be just a limited run to have long been closed by now, the show extended in July with hopes of making it through the end of the year with a mostly new cast, but instead will close this weekend. Next up for the Golden will be Three Tall Women, which will begin performances on February 27th. James, I have a feeling that A Doll's House Part Two will be popping up at just about every single major major regional theater across the country in the next few years, perhaps in repertory with the Ibsen original. Have we talked about Alison Pill going into Three Tall Women? Yeah, we talked about it uh, when it was announced. It might have been a day that I did alone. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, Alison Pill is joining that cast, which just seems to be another dynamite collection. Do we have a height measurement on Alison Pill? She is not tall, James. Okay. I, uh, I am I am unfamiliar <laughs> with the uh, with the show itself with Albie's show, so I don't know if tall necessarily means like literal height or maybe in presence in stature. But she is not what they would normally uh, define as vertically advantaged. So if anybody has a photograph of Allison Pill walking out of the Seven Eleven on Ninth Avenue, uh, they can measure her <laughs> up against the sticker on the door. Let us know. All right. Uh, what's up in the show and casting news? All right. On Friday, the new group announced the complete cast for the upcoming production of Seth V. Rosenfeld's Downtown Race Riot, led by the previously announced Chloe Sevigny. Directed by Scott Elliott, Sevigny will be joined by Christian DeMeo, David Levi, Moise Morancy, Daniel Oreskes, Sadie Scott, and Daniel Sovich. The play will run from November 14th through December 23rd at the Pershing Square Signature Theater. On a hot summer day in 1976, a mob of young men, all white except one, descended on Washington Square Park with pipes and bats and attacked any people of color they could find. In the show, we see a cramped village apartment of a strung-out, free-willing single mom, played by Sevigny, as her son and his Haitian best friend wrestle with their obligation to join the riot. Sounds like a joyful comedy there. Um, In other news, which might interest only a very small portion of our audience who is not me, on Friday, Sonia Friedman announced that Pearl Mackey would be joining the upcoming West End production of Harold Pinter's The Birthday Party. Mackey is most known... For playing Billy Potts, the Doctor's latest companion on the BBC show Doctor Who, and take it from me as someone who loved uh, Jenna Coleman, the previous companion, Mackie is unbelievably good. She was incredible in this past season of Doctor Who. Anyway, she will be joining the previously announced Toby Jones, Stephen Mangan, and Zoe Wanamaker, a great cast, and will be directed by Ian Rickson. The production will run at the Harold Pinter Theater from 9 January through 14 April. Further casting will be announced later. Sticking with the London Theatre News, James, we found out on Friday that Tina, the Tina Turner musical, will open at the Aldwych Theatre in London's West End this spring, featuring a book by Katori Hall and directed by Phyllida Lloyd. The show will begin performances on March 21st. And and this made me laugh, James. You know it's a British show when the press release says, quote, Casting for Tina will be announced in due course. So uh, that made me giggle when I read that press release. And then finally in this section, James, on Friday, the Educational Theater Association released its annual survey of the most produced plays, musicals, and one acts uh, that are produced by high schools around the country. They surveyed 26,154 high schools, and the responses included 5,000 different shows. 
the most produced musicals for the year were The Addams Family, Adam's Family, Beauty and the Beast, Shrek, Susical, Cinderella, The Little Mermaid, The Wizard of Oz, Into the Woods, Little Shop of Horrors, and Grease. The most produced full-length plays were Almost Maine, A Midsummer Night's Dream, The Crucible, You Can't Take It With You, Alice in Wonderland, Peter and the Starcatcher, 12 Angry Jurors, or a combination of 12 Angry Men and 12 Angry Women, uh, A Christmas Carol, Macbeth, and Our Town. And then the most produced short play was called Check, Please by Jonathan Rand. Check, Please Take Two was number 10 on the list. Uh, The most produced show in each of those three categories remained the same from the previous year. So uh, good for John Cariani. He doesn't really necessarily have to work if he's got almost main royalties uh, rolling in like that. (laughs) Yeah, well, Peter Felish is a big fan of almost main. uh, And it's um, fun. We talk about it uh, every now and then when this when this survey rolls around because it really has captured a market. It's so under the radar, but doing great, and uh, and almost main monologues, you know, filter into New York City uh, through the Forty Second Street bus terminal every year. <laughs> um, so next up. Uh, a potpourri of stories. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really know what to call this one, but you know, as a Jeopardy fan, I always love the potpourri categories. But on Thursday night, apparently, as we were recording, Beyonce, yes, Beyonce attended Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway, much to the delight of Ben Platt and the entire cast. Following the cast on social media after the fact was a lot of fun. And uh, Laura Dreyfus and Crystal and Lloyd shared a joint freakout as they left the theater and went to some bar to drink, drink and decompress, I guess. Um, Queen Bay posed for a picture with the cast, director Michael Greif and co-writer Bench Pasek. I guess they just happened to all be there on the same night. I'm sure it had nothing to do with Beyonce being there. Um, and every single one of them, nearly almost every single one of them, looked to just be bursting with giddiness. Uh, it was it was funny. Michael Park seems in the back like he's on his tiptoes trying to just get his face in. Anyway, apparently Platt had been tweeting and posting that he was using Beyonce songs as his warm-ups in an effort to potentially manage manifest her in the theater and apparently it worked so good for him who knows what ben platt is also capable of anyway (laughs) however over at the schubert theater something didn't work on that very same night as bet midler fell off of a moving set piece during hello dolly apparently the set's automation malfunctioned and about after a 20 minute pause bet returned to a thunderous reception and received four standing ovations for her trooper efforts according to audience members james honestly i would expect nothing less from the divine miss m (laughs) yeah and she uh she tweeted a few things after that and uh just to confirm that she was okay which was (laughs) totally awesome we've talked about this before she's 71 years old but and i haven't seen the show she but she's she's seventy one years old. But when you see her, and like I've seen her on the Tonys and in the the, the little bit of B roll that Scott Rudin has allowed to uh, permeate the, the the world, she looks fantastic. She looks like she's in, I mean, great physical health. Um, so uh, any time someone of that age falls, you worry. But it seems like she's doing just fine, and that's that's awesome. Hmm. Seventy one. I. I guess that's true, but it just doesn't seem like it. She seems so young. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. And uh, last up, Mark Shaman and Whoopi Goldberg lead Sister Act reunion performance. Yeah, James. uh, Last week, Whoopi Goldberg, who is obviously one of the co-hosts of The View, 
organized a reunion performance for the 25th anniversary of the 1992 film Sister Act. Uh, had a number of cast members join them uh, for the production. Dame Maggie Smith, who was Mother Superior in the movie, she wasn't able to be there, but she sent along a special message. Um, and then with Mark Shaman at the piano, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, as she does in the movie, led a choir uh, of habited nuns. I don't know if they're actual nuns, but she was also joined by Kathy Najimy, Wendy McKenna, and Beth Fowler, who were in the original movie, and some other original cast members. And they sang, I will follow him. Um, maybe I'm showing my age here because this came out right in my early formative years. This, and even though Sister Act 2 is probably better, just saying. Don't don't at me. Um, this was really cool and really kind of emotional here. Um, it was very nice and very cool. You know, the vocals weren't as good as they were 25 years ago, but nonetheless, it was really fun. And Mark Shaman put on a nun's habit, so uh, that's always interesting. That is uh, really cool. I wonder, are we going to perhaps see a reboot of Sister Act? Uh, who knows? I mean, we had the Patina Miller stage version uh, uh, a few years ago. I mean, that's probably going on 10 years ago now. But um, uh, but yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's one of those things that I think has continued to be a favorite for a lot of people in the two and a half decades. And something that seems like it could very well be uh, be something that a new generation would like as well. So uh, this isn't in the script. Um, you didn't. Uh, include the first listen of Spongebob Squarepants, the original cast recording on NPR. I did not because I think it was only for the day. So by the time we would have talked about it, I think you couldn't listen to it anymore. I could be wrong, but uh, yeah. If I can still listen to it. Uh, Yeah. It's letting me listen to it again. Oh, okay, good. Well, that's, that's, Um, that's my bad. No, uh, and who knows if when this comes out, if it'll still be playing, you know. But uh, the first listen of NPR's uh, SpongeBob SquarePants original cast recording, I just never really thought I'd see NPR and SpongeBob SquarePants on the same <laughs> same page. But you know, they they continue to amaze us. So uh, we'll have to see what happens there. All right, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt and subscribe to Something Up Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. I will be live tweeting the Emmys from at SLI. Oh, never mind. That's dumb because yeah, this is coming out afterwards. After, after never time. mind. Just kidding. This is not being recorded at <laughs> noon on Sunday. Totes kidding. <laughs> and my name is James Reno from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. I have a time machine, which I use very often to record these it's, things. I would say Pearl Mackey lended me the, uh, the TARDIS to be able to do it. It's the second <laughs> TARDIS reference in a week. I love it. <laughs> and thanks for starting off Monday with us. And uh, Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow, perhaps if there's anything interesting about the Emmy Awards. Um, and Broadway, as they, as they related to, we'll talk about that as well. Talk to you then. It's a typical, incredible, irregular, exceptional.